while some Northern European exchange-traded funds have lost up to half of their assets. Are these wintry climates bad investments? What does this say about index investing overall? We're going to cover ETFs, sector investing, regional investing, and more with thought leader and CFP Eric Roberge on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money with Friends from Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And coming to you live from Boston, Mass., Eric Roberge. This is the show where we open the news and dive in with financial thought leaders from all walks of life. Today, we're diving into the Wall Street Journal. We're not only going to read a little piece of this to you, like some podcasts, but we'll also talk about why it's important to you and your wallet. Big thanks to Rocket Dollar for supporting Money with Friends. Rocket Dollar account holders have the ability to invest their retirement savings in anything they choose. And through a Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA or solo 401k, you can make investments directly into real estate, private companies, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, and everything else allowed by the IRS. Get $100 off your setup fee by heading to rocketdollar.com slash MWF. That's rocketdollar.com slash MWF. And the thing, Eric, I like best about Rocket Dollar is if you're going to do one of these non-traditional IRAs like having... um, having uh, real estate, like real real estate in your IRA, that can get super ugly. So their knowledge base is really, really important. You don't want people to disqualify their their IRA because they didn't know what the hell they were doing. That wouldn't be a good move. That would not be a good move. But a good move we have is you being back today. So glad you could carry the show for me. Yeah, carry the show. That's me. <laughs> well, <laughs> love to love love being back here though. I mean it's it's always a pleasure just hanging out with you cuz as we've always said, it just really does feel like we're just relaxing, having a conversation with some people listening in. We do have a good time, and we have a good time also with our friends hanging out with us live today and every day on on Facebook. Sadly, except for our alumni times, this is your last appearance. I can't believe we've done this four times. I know. Feels like it's been four years. <laughs> it's been that painful, huh? Four years of pleasure. (laughs) That's right. There you go. That's good recovery. We're going to talk ETFs today. Uh, Some disturbing trends in some European ETFs. We'll get into that here in a second and talk about even if you're not investing in exchange traded funds in Northern European countries, what can we glean from this? And I think there's a lot, which is why I suggested it to Eric. Uh, We'll get into that here in a second. Let's see who's going to help us kick off today's show. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. The Money Talking Party Show starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right. This piece comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. It's uh, written by uh, Tanzil Akhtar. And Tanzil writes, Nordic ETFs have lost assets in 2019. Scandinavia isn't the first place it springs to mind. For most people looking for opportunities in Europe, in 2019, exchange-traded funds exposed to the Nordic countries in Northern Europe absorbed declines in assets as the region remained overlooked by U.S. investors. Currently, there are six U.S. domiciled ETFs that track the Nordic region. Global FX FTSE Nordic region uh, ETF, which is ticker symbol GXF. The Global X MSCI Norway ETF, which is NORW. 
iShares MSCI Denmark ETF, which is Eden, E-D-E-N, iShares MSCI Finland ETF, E-F-N-L, and iShares MSCI Norway, which is E-N-O-R, and iShares MSCI Sweden, E-W-D. Morningstar's uh, Kenneth Lamont, passive fund analyst, says... Assets in these ETFs have halved since the beginning of 2018. This fall has been impacted by a near constant flow of small monthly net outflows. It's difficult to say why these have bled assets. Performance hasn't been that bad. It could simply be that granular bets on Europe in general have become less attractive for American investors. Morningstar Inc. data shows the ETFs with exposure to Scandinavian regions have been have had sizable outflows. Mr. Lamont says that taken as a whole, the Nordic economies are diverse. Individually, they have different risk and return drivers. For example, the Norwegian markets are closely are linked closely with energy prices and fishing, both of which can be volatile. Mr. Lamont highlights the Danish market as dominated by a single pharmaceutical company, Novo Nordisk. NVO, at 22% of the market. The Finnish economy is reliant on industrial exports, materials and industrial materials and industrials sectors combined at 50%. In contrast, Sweden has a well-balanced economy, but the falling Swedish krona since the beginning of 2018 will have hurt returns for U.S. investors. Northern European markets tend to be ignored by U.S. investors that focus on the Eurozone or the United Kingdom, says Todd Rosenbluth, Senior Director of ETF and Mutual Fund Research at New York-based investment research firm CFRA. He adds, however, they can provide added diversification. The absence of political drama and exposure to sectors like information technology that are underexposed in peer ETFs. For example, Global X FTSE Nordic region has a recent 10% weight in the tech sector and iShares MSCI Finland has a 13% stake. Let's 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 dive into this. First of all, this this slow bleed of assets out. Obviously, the experts here in this piece Eric say they don't have an you know, they don't know why it's happening, but if it's a little at a time, they seem to be pointing to small investors just slowly taking their money out and new investors not coming in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole thing behind the scenes, very technically oriented, looking at a mutual fund or an ETF and saying how much money is coming in and how much money is going out of it. You don't hear much talk about that from the the bigger perspective of is it a good investment or not. I think the first thing that caught my eye in this uh, piece was when they were talking about the fact that, uh, uh, which one was it? The the, the Danish market, 22% of that exchange traded fund is one stock. And I think that people think that just because I have an exchange traded fund, I'm getting instant diversification and yeah, you're getting some, but in this case, uh, you're not getting as much as you think you, you might be getting. Yeah, that's one of my pet peeves when people say they index. And then I say, well, what indexes do you use? And they look at me like a deer in headlights. Um, And either that or they say the S&P 500 or some other just small index that is not truly an indexing strategy. It's choosing to invest in a small part of the global um, stock market. And that's what's happening here. Does it does it uh, bother you even looking at at an index like the S and P five hundred or the U S total stock market index that so much of it is dominated by eight to ten companies? You know, you're getting you're getting um, your returns are largely Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and a few others. 
Yeah, there, there tends to be times in the market, and it's not just now, although people think that these FANG stocks are coming out of nowhere and, and the market is at an unprecedented level of, of focus in, in these stocks. If you look at history, you'll see times when there have been several occasions where five to eight companies take up the majority of certainly the large cap part of the, the U.S. stock market. So it's not out of the ordinary to see this. It's just important to understand how much exposure you have into these very few companies and make sure that you further diversify because of it. The uh, bottom of this piece, this Todd Rosenbluth quote, I want to reread this and and get your take on it because I, I, <laughs> I had kind of a strong reaction. He adds to talking about these Nordic ETFs. He said they can provide added diversification, the absence of political drama and exposure to sectors like information technology that are underexposed in peer ETFs. When you hear that, what's your response? Uh, that is not a factual statement. Um, maybe they can add some diversification because you're putting in investments outside of this country or into a very small part of the world. Um, but as far as political drama goes, what does that does that mean? It's a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, does investing have anything to do with drama? No, especially not ups or downs in the market. Um, and then secondarily, the technology piece that doesn't make any sense to me because obviously we've just talked. There's a lot of tech going on in in all parts of the world, especially in the U.S. Yeah, I I thought the same thing. I th- I I definitely thought, uh, but political drama might be a short term statement. We want to keep looking long term. Um, and to your point, the technology stuff. Okay, we get that elsewhere. So I don't know how that's the, the added diversification means. Maybe if I put this in my portfolio, now I have Northern Europe. But for most portfolios, if I add a Northern European exchange traded fund into my mix. Now I'm probably overweight one section of the world, and now I have to bet that this little part of the world, Eric, does better than everybody else. Right. And that's where taking a step back and looking at the 30,000-foot level of your investment portfolio to understand what's the ultimate goal. Is it global diversification? And if that's the case, which I agree with, then how much of the global stock market is made up of each individual country? Um, I'm just looking at this map of the the global stock market based on the MSCI All Country World Index right now, and Sweden is one percent of the entire stock market. Mm-hmm. Netherlands is one percent. Germany two percent. So you have a tiny amount of the entire one hundred percent of the stock market in these areas. So putting in one percent into these into these ETFs, great. Putting in ten, twenty, or more percent, huge risk, not worth taking. And this doesn't mean you don't like international investments because I'm betting you do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I want to spread my money around the world. 55% into U.S. because that's what the U.S. stock market is as part of the global stock market. Um, Japan, 8%. Um, there's emerging markets that make up about you know 9 or 10%. So spreading it around based on the percentages of the index is a good baseline to start from. And then you can tweak it from there if you have some... Some good insights. Can, can, can we go back to your U.S. number? What was the percentage? Um, this map is based on 2018, the yeah. end of it. So it's 54%. Um, so it's probably between 52 and 56% right now. But, but but just thinking about that and the fact that international funds have, have been beaten by the U.S. so often the last several years, I'll bet the average person listening to the show is much more exposed to the U.S. than what you're inferring there. 
that even regardless of even the, the U.S. doing well, I think it falls back to the home country bias that oh. everybody ha- seems to have, right? So if you go anywhere in the world, they're going to be invested more in their country than they are in other countries. At least for the U.S., we do make up a good portion of the global stock market. But if you're in Canada and you have 50% or more in Canada, they make up 3%. So you have to understand what your exposure is. And then if it's too high, rebalance. So when the market grows like it has in the U.S., rebalancing back to a more um, uh, balanced portfolio, globally balanced, that is, is going to be important to take your risk down to where it should be. Um, where you first said it anyway. Do you often, when you meet new potential clients or people that listen to the podcast, the Beyond Finances podcast, when you're writing back and forth to people, do you find many people that want to invest in a single country outside of the United States, like Canada or in this case, Denmark or Norway? No, I no. People don't talk to me about individual countries. I mean, part of it is that my main conversations aren't about investments. Don't get me wrong. I love talking about investments. I'll do it all day long, especially if we're having this conversation here. But it's not about investments. It's about life. Like, what do you want for your life? How do we use your money as a tool to get there? And then as part of that using money as a tool, investments are an option. So then it's now starting to inch toward this investment conversation. Then we talk big picture and we can get as detailed as they want to. But I like as high level as possible to stay relevant to their life. I would imagine that surprises people like they come in all geared up to have the conversation we're having today where we're nerding out about ETFs in Nordic countries, something you don't get to do all that often. And and you're all of a sudden starting to talk about something different. I, I, I bet that kind of surprises people. You know, I, I don't I think people often think that people going to a financial advisor, the one thing on their mind is investments. And I don't know if it's our marketing or the, who we help or how we do it, but people come to us for financial planning first. So the conversations initially are, I want to buy a house. I want to travel the world. I want to start a business. I want to retire at 50. Those are the things we focus on first. And then I say, I know how to help you. One of those things is going to be investing. That sounds like crazy talk, man. You're actually going to set a destination before you start investing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah. Well, people, people, I do have somebody that's coming on board soon and they have all these questions about the nitty gritty. Do I pay off my loans? Do I buy a car? Blah, 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 blah. All good questions, but without the context about what they want for their lives, there's no good answer. And it makes it so much more exciting, I think, to, to work from that personal perspective than from uh, just a rule of thumb, you know, pay off this debt first or do this thing first. I don't know. I don't know about you, but back in the day when I was a financial planner, I found so many exceptions to every rule of thumb. It was crazy. There's no one right answer. Yeah. There really isn't. Everyone has their own particular circumstances and therefore a plan has to be geared towards them. Them. So exciting. The uh, In just a second, Eric and I are going to put a cap on this uh, discussion of Nordic ETFs, which is uh, just a f- f- something I could still talk about for hours and hours. But before we do that, let's take a minute and talk about your IRA or your solo 401k. What do you do when you want to invest in something different than the usual suspects offered in most brokerages? Like you want to have a physical piece of real estate or invest in a private company or peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, or something like AcreTrader, as an example we talked about before on this show. Everything else allowed by the IRS. Well, then you get Rocket Dollar. 
Making investments is easy through Rocket Dollar. You just write a check out of your Rocket Dollar account. You don't have to wait for a custodian to mail the check on your behalf and just delay the process for no reason. It's really that simple. Best of all, you keep all the tax protections of your existing IRA or your 401k. Open a Rocket Dollar account today and you can take advantage of a world of investment opportunities. All of that is $15 a month after a one-time $360 setup fee. And by the way, if you're new to this type of investing, you may be thinking, wow, that sounds like a lot. That is very, very, very small when you compare that with some of the legacy providers of the things that Rocket Dollar does. Plus, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, I love the fact that they will help get you educated because you can't mess this stuff up. You don't want to mess up putting money in your IRA the wrong way in some of these uh, investments that are non-traditional investments. And then you disqualify your entire IRA and now you've got a huge IRS mess on your hands. But for our Money with Friends listeners, friends at Rocket Dollar, they're offering $100 off your setup fee. If you use Money with Friends when setting up your account, go to rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF and they will walk you through that, how to get the discount. You got to put the slash MWF on though for them to walk you through it. Rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF. Thanks to them for supporting this season of Money with Friends. Eric, what's our big uh, takeaway? Take all your money and put it in Denmark or Finland? Which one? Sweden. Of course. I missed it again. Absolutely, Sweden. Um, the, the takeaway is that when it comes to investing, you have to know whether you are in the game to have a, a good probability of growing your money for the long term, or if you are here to speculate. Um, the speculating can come with great achievements and home runs and also devastating losses and, and you know the end of your money. Um, depends on where you want to be here. So if, if you want to be in that, that latter category, then maybe investing in one of these ETFs and doing so in a, in a large amount, maybe that's your game and you just hope for the best. Um, I would advise against that. I would say that these ETFs here represent certain parts of the country or certain parts of the globe. And you have to understand how much exposure you want to certain parts of the globe and then find the ETFs or mutual funds that will give you that exposure as part of a globally diversified asset allocated portfolio. I'm going to riff on part of that for my takeaway, Eric, because one of the most popular TED Talks of all time given given by a guy named Simon Sinek, and he talks about begin with why. And a lot of our discussion today was around that. If you begin with your why instead of what the hot investment is, you're going to do a much better job. And in fact, Simon Sinek, when he talked about that, wasn't talking about individuals. He was talking about companies. Companies like Apple grew because of the fact that they began with people's why. Why would you want to have an MP3 player that turned into being the most popular thing that resurrected that company? Um, beginning with why is the perfect place to start a financial plan. And then maybe it, maybe it involves Finland or Sweden or Denmark. Probably not. But, but if you start with why, you're less likely to make a, make a mistake. Um, and it's funny, Eric, you know, just talking through this too, people do this. They, they go to work, they make great logical begin with why decisions at work, and then they go home and they get all emotional about their money and they make the, you know, they're like, Hey, I'm just going to take a flyer. I think Norway sounds cool. Combination of fishing and technology, what could go wrong? Right. So, um, but if I, I treat my money at home, like I treat my job at work, I think I make better decisions. Yes. 
hundred percent. I think that the shift happens when you know when you're you're cerebral and you're thinking through things because you have that buzzing, that energy in your head. If you feel that energy is slowly going down your throat into your chest and you have this vibration in your chest when you're making the decision to invest, take a step back and don't invest that day. Come back again tomorrow when you're thinking clearly because that means you're driving through with emotions. Emotions are usually not the best choice to make decisions for your money. I remember one of those fun Warren Buffett quotes, just on a side point, where he had they were talking about investing in airlines and he said something like, if I ever tell anybody I'm investing in an airline, tell me to take two aspirin and go to bed and let's think about it again in the morning. (laughs) It sounds like on a much wider level, that's kind of what you're saying. If you feel it in your chest, take two aspirin, go to bed, come back tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Investing is, is all about for me, it's it's big picture. It's it's asset classes of investment. So I want to pick U.S. large cap stocks. Let me go find an investment that gives me the the 500 U.S. large cap stocks. Um, I'm not looking to get into a a major overload of tech companies in Finland because then it just gets so narrow, so niche down that the more you niche down, the more risk you apply to your portfolio. And you have to ask why. Why do I need to get that much risk in here? Is it going to end well or not? I know a podcast where they never talk about Nordic ETFs, sadly. Uh, but they do talk about other fairly um, fairly uh, important stuff. And it's called Beyond Finances. Have you heard of that podcast, Eric? I have. But now we have to change our next episode, which is called uh, The Viking Ship Has Landed. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, we we don't focus on the the process, the the how, the nitty-gritty until we talk about the why. And and we as far as why goes, it's why do we treat money like we want like like we do, Kaylee and I as husband and wife, and how do we use that life vision for ourselves to help us use our money as a tool? And the money as a tool thing can go in any number of directions. We can go through insurance and investments and buying houses and traveling and 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 lifestyle. But we all always drive it forward with practical application. So I'm a CFP. I have 20 years in the financial services industry. I'm using that experience to drive this life conversation forward for us on the podcast. It's it's so fun, but that with all of your experience and all of the uh, all the professional accolades you've had, you know, people I think may come in thinking it's going to be a really technical conversation, and you're you're fantastic at that at it at it being a real conversation that any uh, spouses would have about their money, and I get to kind of follow along. Uh, it's beyond the fi- it's beyond finances podcast wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Eric, man, it's been great hanging out with you this uh, last four months, getting to know you a little better, and um, and it's 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 so fun nerding out and catching up. Yeah, likewise, Joe. I really appreciate you having me on for these conversations, and I'm I'm happy to support you however I can in the future too. Guys, thanks a ton for hanging out with Eric and I today and this entire season. Uh, tomorrow, Bobby and I are back with more. Thanks to everybody, by the way, who's left us reviews. Uh, so happy to see the, the, some of the great reviews and comments people have had about the show lately. On behalf of Eric Roberge from Beyond Finances Podcast, I'm Joe Salcihai. We'll see you back here again tomorrow at Money with Friends. 
This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.